Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Hey, welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and looking forward to a hopefully good, long 2020 season. And as always, for as long as he'll have me, I'll be joined by Mr. Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going, my man? You know, I've clawed my way out of quarantine, and I am ready for another season. And and we're talking about a nice, long fantasy football season. This has been a long year, so I don't think we'll see anything other than a long fantasy football season. Man, that's where we kind of disagree. Um, I've been I'm wrong already because I'm sure that the season is going to start early in the spring. I was hesitant to think that we'd actually have football. I still don't think we're going to get a full season in. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, safely things can move forward. Um, But I'm still cautiously optimistic at best. How's that? That's a good uh, good way to look at things. If nothing else, we can look forward to playing some daily fantasy with the new XFL and the new owner, The Rock, come this spring. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Vince couldn't handle it. Rock, who knows what he'll do. Um, Maybe EY will get involved with that. The former, Although he's no longer with the WWE. The former, I was going to say, yeah, that's true. Um, I was going to say Rock is a former Miami Hurricane football player. I don't think a lot of people realize that, possibly. Um, anyway, but yeah, you talked about lockdowns. I know it's been tough for a lot of people. Um, myself, I have not left to see any customers since late February, so I'm working from home. My wife just went back to her office mid-July, um, and I don't have prospects of returning to see people in person probably until well after first of the year. How about you? Well, I've just started back uh, with pretty much 60% of my standard clientele uh, as several bars and restaurants remain closed. Uh, fortunately, uh, some of my favorite bars and restaurants have reopened, which means if nothing else, I can go and enjoy a, a cocktail when I need to. There you go. Well, my mother-in-law still lives with us, so she's really highly, um, what's the word I want, um, susceptible to, you know, the bad stuff if she if we were to bring that home. So we're trying to be as good as we can because she's, you know, problems with, you know, oxygen and she's on oxygen and, and all the different ailments that she has. So we've got to be careful. I don't want that on my head, if you know what I mean. Well, I'm planning a trip this coming weekend down to Kansas City. So I'll make sure when I return next week to quarantine for 14 hours before we record episode 126. Hey, at least we know we can't catch it that way. That's for sure. Um, Exactly. But I'll tell you what, it is that time where I actually throw it over to Harley Schultz for this week's and our season's first Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. The Detroit Lions have signed the aged Adrian Peterson to a one-year contract as rookie DeAndre Swift 
has been slow to recover from a leg injury. The team also has third-year running back Kerryon Johnson on their roster, but he too has proven to be injury-prone over his first two campaigns. In addition, the team just placed Johnson's replacement from last year, Bo Scarborough, on injured reserve. In light of all of this news, the BPN News prognostication team can officially proclaim Ty Johnson as the Lions' leading rusher for this season. (laughs) The Jaguars have been active the last few weeks, relieving themselves of all of their talented but expensive football players. When asked about his strategy, owner Tony Khan said it had nothing to do with advancing his football team and everything to do with being able to afford to sign as many WWE cast-offs as possible to his AEW promotion. In related news, Gardner Minshew's mustache was just named Intercontinental Champion. (laughs) Alex Smith has made the active roster of the Washington Football Club two years after sustaining a devastating leg injury and related infection that was life-threatening to the veteran signal caller. As he continues his recovery, Smith will be listed as third on the depth chart behind Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Ellen. Even more amazing than Smith's actual return to physically being on an active NFL roster is the fact that he is far and away the best quarterback on that roster, despite still not being 100% healthy. (laughs) Denver Broncos linebacker Von Miller sustained a potentially season-ending injury to his ankle today. As a Chiefs fan, this news brings me joy. But as an objective reporter, I feel sorry for the Denver defense. To atone for my initial jubilant reaction, I will subject myself to the physical punishment of the consumption of a Coors Light. (laughs) And finally, Mitch Trubisky has beaten out former Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles for the starting quarterback job in Chicago. Upon hearing this news, Jay Cutler let out a little muffled chuckle before returning to resting Jay Cutler face. This has been your BPN News Update. So I guess I know that right now Harley's in midseason form already with the news, right? You know, I've been waiting all year. You know what they say, I've been waiting all year for Sunday night. I've been waiting all all year for first Blitz Podcast News of the Year. There you go. So I guess what we should tell people is, you know what? There were no preseason games, and I'm guessing the NFL players are going to be slightly rusty when they start the season. Guess what? We're rusty, too, because I forgot to tell people what they could look forward to in this episode prior to throwing it over to you for the news. Oh, well. Hey, we all got to drop on that nail every once in a while and figure out what's going down. So here's the deal. We are moving to a new platform that may not even mean anything to you, the listener, um, but it's just going to change how we handle things back behind the scenes. And we don't know exactly how that's happening because we're waiting for Brass to tell us. So when Harley says that um, Von Miller got hurt today, that might be three days from now by the time you get to hear this. Because of that, we are not going to talk about the Thursday game for the most part. We won't give any recommendations because you may not hear this until after that game has finished. And we'll talk in as much um, vaguety as possible for this Sunday outside of our pay-to-plays, stay-aways, and value plays that we will give you for DFS like we always do. 
And then we'll probably talk about maybe some, since we didn't do any camp stuff, some season, early season battles that you should keep an eye on. And maybe we'll talk about drafts a little bit too. Well, as you mentioned earlier, it's been a long year with the, the invisible enemy, as uh, as Donald likes to call it, floating around. And, and it's really raging war against the people of America and the people all over the world. So I thought, you know what? Well, we're all battling the potential issues associated with COVID and how they could affect fantasy football. We also have a lot of people who are going to battle for starting positions on offenses around the NFL. Uh, unfortunately, without training camp, without that preseason, how are we going to know exactly which one of these guys is the guy to have? So I guess the best way to do it is, and again, for those that don't know, Harley and I do not discuss specifics um, that we're going to wind up debating or talking about. So we don't know who picked who or what for when we do our DFS plays, as we don't know who or how we feel on these players that he's going to toss out. So, Harley, we'll start with a pair. You go ahead and toss them out, and let's start the discussion. Well, let's start with the dysfunctional Washington football team who cut Darius Geis uh, due to his legal considerations, cut Adrian Peterson because he was getting old and expensive. Right now they're looking at playing Antonio Gibson, Bryce Love, and Peyton Barber. So for me, I really wanted Antonio Gibson earlier this summer before they sent Adrian Peterson packing, and I never could get him. Somebody was always pulling the trigger a little bit sooner than I wanted to, so I tried to joke this past weekend and said that all of those um, Antonio Gibson shares were actually Damian Harris shares for me, which is unfortunate now that he's on IR. So I think that he's still the one, that Gibson's the one to own. I do think that you'll see Love get some value. If something happens, which how, how much can we really bank on one of those guys playing an entire season? Barber's probably the cheap guy that you'll be able to get and use for depth and a fill-in here and there. You know, when it comes to fantasy football, everybody wants a bell cow, but how many bell cows truly are there, right? Very, very few. So, and I, Go ahead. I was going to say, so when it comes to timeshares, a two-headed monster doesn't scare me. Three-headed monsters do. I don't think this is truly a two-headed monster or a three-headed monster. I think it's a one-and-a-three-quarter-headed monster. I think Gibson's the play. And then you see those other two guys, Love and Barber, split some carries. And I think Barber does earlier season stuff, and you see Love come on later in the season. Yeah, and again, I think we should stress to uh, listeners out there, we are still talking about the dysfunctional Washington football club. This team is going to be playing from behind most of the season, they're not very good. And so you probably don't want to rely on huge production from a bell cow running back on a team like that anyways. Yeah, I, I would agree. Who else do you have that we can talk about? Uh, down in Tampa Bay, uh, the team signed uh, Jacksonville castoff Leonard Fournette. Uh, he joins Ronald Jones and uh, – they also brought in LaShawn McCoy this offseason. A little surprised that they cut McCoy. They didn't cut McCoy. Instead, they cut Dare Ogombowale, who has now been rumored to be going towards uh, – he was uh, talking to people in Oakland over the weekend. Yeah. Um, so, for me, Fournette was in that range where I wasn't drafting running backs. It was too wide receiver rich. So, I don't have to worry about Fournette. And 
his price probably only went up going to Tampa Bay, honestly, because people just think that he's going to have a great year having a quarterback and wide receivers that can open the field up for him. I think he'll be a solid running back 2-3 possibly, but he's not somebody I'm investing in, and I don't see much value in McCoy at all. Rojo, you might get some value if you know Fournette can't hold out, hold up, I should say, not hold out, but hold up as the season progresses. I'm, I'm steering clear of that situation for the most part. I think you made a really good point there. Fournette not holding up. Uh, Fournette's known to have uh, various small injuries during the season. Certainly possibly misses time. So if you've got Fournette, don't count on him being more than your running back three. But it wouldn't hurt you to grab Ronald Jones late in the draft and just kind of hold on to him because you know eventually he's going to get a start. Yeah, that's true. I mean, where you're getting him at from a cost standpoint in a draft, I understand that. You're probably rostering him as a what, running back four or five at that point? I would say even lower than that. Um, yeah. Uh, in, in New England, uh, you mentioned Damian Harris, who was just put on the short-term pup list, I believe. Uh, they also have Sony Michelle, and of course they have uh, PPR favorite James White there still. Uh, Rex Burkhead's always an option there as well. Uh, any other names to consider there? So... In leagues when, like Scott Fishbowl, where running back really dries up, Burkhead was a guy that I'd like to look at, you know, when you're closing out in those last couple of rounds because he's a good football player, right? You know he's going to see some touches here and there. Um, I really, really liked Harris. I thought he was a great value. I wasn't buying Sonny Michelle or his bad knees. Um, So it was horrible to hear about what happened um, with the the thumb or a finger issue that's going to land him on IR minimally for three weeks. but you know what? If you've got him and you can stash him, do it. Um, it's a long season, and I don't foresee anybody establishing the bell cow role in the first three weeks. So I think he can come in, be fresh, and, and finish the year out strong. James White's going to have standalone value just because it's if you're in a PPR league. Um, again, he was going in areas where I was targeting wide receivers. Well, when you look at a guy like James White, also consider the fact that the new quarterback there is Cam Newton. Yeah. Uh, we, we obviously – appreciated Tom Brady's usage of James White. Well, <coughs> Cam Newton is used to throwing to a back out of the backfield too. A guy by the name of Christian McCaffrey. So there's that. That is true. Um, okay. What else? Who's next? Next up, we've got Denver, perhaps the most uh, pushback from people online. I've, I've got people uh, saying bad things about me because I think that Melvin Gordon's going to outperform Philip Lindsay this year. But, uh, uh, you could go either way. Both of these guys have looked good in the past, uh, but is one going to stand out? Can we count on either of them if they're going to be splitting touches? So, again, if you look at, say, where Gordon was going, that was just an area that was wide receiver rich for me. I, in drafts, I'm sorry, I went old school, and I really targeted running backs in the first couple of rounds, and then three, four, five, six, I'm looking at the wide receiver position. So I avoided guys like Gordon, like the plague, because their value to me didn't seem to equal the value you got with the wide receiver position. So for me, I don't have to worry about it. Hopefully you had that same thought process during your draft, and you don't either. But reports are that Lindsey really has made a push through camp, and it is going to be more of a 50-50 split, possibly hot hand type thing. That's probably even worse, honestly. If you knew that each of them was going to get a 50-50 share, then you can plan on playing them as a flex or a running back three, and you know what you're getting. But if it's a hot hand thing, it's so hard to rely on that. You know what I mean? 
Exactly. And when you think back to Gordon in San Diego, Los Angeles, uh, he was able to establish a playable role splitting time with Austin Eckler. So I think that's the best we can hope for is that they both have some sort of playable role, like maybe much like we were able to use Kareem Hunt as a running back three flex type player late in the season for Cleveland last year. Yeah, I mean, and when it comes to fantasy, right, it's always about making the right decisions and setting yourself up for success. I guess this year, and, and you know, fault us if you want for not having any preseason, you know, podcast for you to give you this ad- advice in advance, but depending on what you do in that draft is going to make those decisions easier or harder for you, right? I mean, exactly. you draft a running back after, what, the James Conner? line Chris Carson line so you're talking round three four five six you just you're 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 hoping to land that zero running back but that guess what round three four and five isn't zero running back land well then you also have situations where teams for some ungodly reason are putting players in as their number one running back when they aren't even the best running back in their team and they're not even the second best running back on their team what I'm talking about is the Los Angeles Rams saying they're going to be starting Malcolm Brown over both Henderson and Akers coming into week one. That's another situation I completely avoided. And I will tell you that's a, a situation that you're not going to get me to tell anybody to buy into. I don't think there's value to be had there. I don't. If you want to do anything, first of all, if you drafted Cam Akers, you spent way too much draft capital on him to just sit on him and not get anything. But that's where your value is going to stay is taking him and stashing him and waiting till towards the end of the year, probably the midway point. If we even get to a midway point, um, I didn't like that value. I'm sorry. I can't say anything nice about that situation. I agree. I really thought that acres would just take the job and run with it in the uh, preseason, but obviously there was no preseason. So that kind of threw that out the window. Yep. What else? Are, are we uh, we've got uh, Buffalo. Uh, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Now, by all accounts, Devin Singletary proved himself to be a serviceable running back one uh, at the end of last season, playing very, very well. So what does Buffalo do? They go and gum up the uh, works by taking Zach Moss. Well, and it fits today's NFL. I mean, you don't want just one back usually. It's, you, want, you want multiple backs so that you can rotate, etc. Um, maybe this is the new version of Thunder and Lightning. I'm, I really am a big fan of Devin Singletary. I liked what I saw of him last year. He loses some goal line touches to Moss and his quarterback, likely. Um, but I drafted Singletary, I think, in one or two leagues. I'm not scared off by Moss. Uh, again, remember what we said. Two-headed monster doesn't scare me. Three-headed monsters I'll steer clear of. So at best, at worst, I should say, this is a two-headed monster. It could be a 60-40 split to Singletary's benefit. Um, I think he's electric. I don't think he needs carries inside the five-yard line, honestly. He'll probably score as many touchdowns outside the 25-yard line rushing as anybody else in the league. As long as he doesn't turn into T.J. Yeldon. Yeah, that's true. Let's, I don't think he's T.J. Yeldon. Um, well, speaking a, of three-headed monsters. Hold on, hold on a second. Do you remember Willie Parker? Steelers running Kind back? of. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Somebody on, I don't know if it was a broadcast or I was in talks, they used this to to define him. And I just, ever since then, have always thought it was kind of funny, but I think it fits Devin Singletary slightly. They said he was like spit on a griddle. (laughs) What would they call Darren Sproles then? 
<coughs> yeah, I don't know. The Sproles, he, he's so underappreciated. Go ahead, go ahead with your, your next one. Okay, so the three-headed monster we talked a little bit about. Uh, you got DeAndre Swift, uh, on Johnson, and now Adrian Peterson in Detroit. Uh, a backfield situation that's always been devoid of value just got worse, right? <sighs> yeah, so the only thing I'm buying in Detroit was the passing game. Um, in one of the auctions I took, took part in, Matthew Stafford had just been reported to have COVID. I was the fourth person to nominate someone. And it was early enough in the summer that I was like, well, if he recovers and he's fine, I'm going to get a bargain. I threw him out for a buck. And guess what? I won him for a buck. And, and that's who I want. If Stafford's starting, I want Stafford. I want Marvin Jones. I want Kenny Galladay. I might even want some Danny, Danny Amendola, possibly. And if hot, if um, the tight end, if he can get back on TJ the field. TJ Hawkinson, yes. Hawkinson can get on the field and stay healthy. I'll take him. But I want nothing to do with that running attack. You said three-headed monster. That is a three-headed monster that's anchored right now by a running back that's the age of Medusa. <laughs> well, lastly, of course, and this, this is definitely the least, Jacksonville. <laughs> uh, they... Cut Leonard Fournette. Yes. Uh, they've lost Reichwell Armstead. Yes. For the foreseeable future to COVID. Yes. <laughs> I'm not getting COVID, I, I swear. Uh, so they're left with James Robinson, Divine Zigbo, and Chris Thompson. So um, prior to <coughs> Fournette being cast aside and cut, this summer I was buying Chris Thompson as that late running back five or six to round out a bench when, you know, people are taking stabs in the dark for your, your Bowdens and stuff like that, right? Um, yes. So I like Chris Thompson. I think he's going to be involved. And let's not forget, who's the offensive coordinator there now? Ooh. Jay Gruden. Yep, yep. And, and who used the heck out of Chris Thompson when, oh, and this is a big asterisk, when he's healthy? Jay Gruden. Yep. So I like Chris Thompson. I think he's got great value, especially in PPR, of course. Um, is he a bell cow? No. Is he going to be a running back one? No. Is he going to be a flex play plus? Yes, especially early in the season until something happens, gets hurt, et cetera, or somebody else establishes himself. So what are your thoughts? I mean. Uh, you know, I really I wanted to see Armstead get the opportunity to see if he could do anything. Yeah. Um, who knows how long he's going to be out now, though. Uh, I, I, too, like Thompson, and I have a strange feeling we might talk about him in the DFS segment today. Uh, that's possible. Who knows? Speaking of DFS, um, why don't we throw it over to that segment, and then when, when we're done, maybe we can wrap up talking a little bit about maybe um, some auction drafts and stuff like that. Sounds good. So what we're going to do for those that are joining us anew and aren't aware – Harley and I are going to give you what we call our pay-to-plays, our stay-aways, and our value plays. So we give you each a player at quarterback that we're going to say is worth paying up for based on their price. And before we start this segment, Harley usually guesses how many we're going to agree on. You know, this week I have got us agreeing on... Two. Oh, I'm taking you over. 
absolutely okay. taking the over. <coughs> Without question, I'm taking the over. Um, but I will let you get us started at the quarterback position. Um, I had a hard time here, but who are you going to pay up for at quarterback? I'm going to pay up for Drew Brees versus Tampa Bay. In 13 regular season home games the last two years, Brees has averaged 327 passing yards and three passing touchdowns. And now you know what? He actually has a legitimate number two receiver now in Emmanuel Sanders, something he hasn't ever had before. So I Tampa. Oops, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Tampa added Antoine Winfield in the draft, but otherwise their pass defense is is it was near the bottom last year, and it's still going to be closer to the bottom this year, I believe. They gave up a league worst forty six hundred and eight passing yards last year, and a league worst thirty passing touchdowns. Uh, even a slight improvement on that still not good enough for me not to play Breeze. So I looked at Breeze. I did not pick Breeze. Um, I went to the very top of the ladder. I'm going to pay up for Lamar Jackson. So I would like to save the 1300 bucks at DraftKings on Breeze, quite honestly. But here's where <coughs> I'm at. He's at home. They've got a bad taste in their mouth from the playoffs, right? And yes. they even have a worse taste from the last time they faced Cleveland in Baltimore, where Cleveland beat them 40-25 to last year. Hollywood Brown, healthy. I'm expecting a huge game from that tandem this week. I actually really like Larry, uh, Larry, uh, Lamar Jackson also this week. The only reason I didn't choose him is because of the salary difference. Yep, and, and I understand that. But what people will find out is I usually try to stay at the very, very top if I'm paying up for somebody. Uh, I'm going to go all, all in as much as I can. But yes, I will say this. Uh, when you're factoring Lamar Jackson into your lineups, uh, it's particularly a little tough on DraftKings. But look at the fact that on both FanDuel and on FanBall, if you play there, they have a higher salary cap. Right. So everyone's salary is slightly adjusted to affect that. But it's usually not enough to differentiate the fact that you'll be able to fit a little bit more at the top end with some of the higher priced players. Yep. All right. So who are you going to stay away from? I have a feeling we're going to agree here. This is the one that I thought we might, we might match on here at quarterback. I'm staying away from Kyler Murray at San Francisco. Ding, ding, ding. <clears throat> you know, Kyler threw for only eight road touchdowns last year. He did score a rushing touchdown in the road tilt against the Niners, but with most of the other higher dollar quarterbacks in relatively positive or at least neutral matchups this week, this one has the highest chance of being a low-scoring affair. At least just not enough to pay the price difference between Murray and other guys in that same price range. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Murray can do in his second year. I'm excited to see what he can do with um, DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not excited to see him get it started off in San Francisco. Not at all. Exactly. And that's what it comes down to. Because, honestly, you look at the top 10, 12 you know, quarterbacks on the board <coughs> – you can make a case for any of them being solid plays. Murray is the only one that jumps out at me going, eh. And, like, if Sam Darnold was a top option, I'd be like, eh, at Buffalo. <laughs> but, but there isn't anybody else like that out there right now that's facing a defense that just makes you do that. Um, Phillip Rivers at Jacksonville. Oh, wait, Jacksonville has, like, two players that have, like, any kind of experience in the NFL at all, it seems like, on defense anymore. So, yeah, Kyler's the easy stay away from me. Yeah, I uh, looked at that, and that was kind of my play as well. Uh, who do you have for a value? So I went between, I, I went back and forth between two guys for a value, 
and I'm going to settle on the higher salary, which you know is unlike me, but that's because I think the upside is greater. Um, the guy that I'm not picking is Tyrod Taylor. Um, I think he's got a great matchup. I think he's a great safe play in week one. But I love Cam Newton at home against Miami. Cam is going to be all the rage after week one. Interesting. The guy that I decided to take as my value play was Tyrod Taylor at Cincinnati. See, I knew we were going to be close. I, I, could, I should have gone that way. Now, since he was middle of the pack against the pass last year, they allowed the most quarterback rushing yards and rushing TDs. Of course, it was buoyed by Lamar Jackson facing them twice. They completely renovated their defense, uh, particularly their secondary, where they brought in two former Vikings along with former St. Von Bell. But you know what? It's going to take time for those guys to gel together. It is. It is. I think they're both good plays. Um, I was hammering Cam Newton all summer in leagues, honestly. I was waiting on quarterback as I always do. But with Cam, I think you get top five upside as long as he can stay healthy. And look, is there a coach that's not going to use his um, attributes any more so than somebody like Bill Belichick? Well, he's not going to fit a square peg into a round hole. Exactly. All right, let's throw it over to running back. Um, Did you go as highbrow as I did? No. Okay. (laughs) Uh, and before before you ask, I do like Christian McCaffrey a lot this week. I just don't see him netting more than three times value at 10000 on both sides. If you went with Christian, I did not go with Christian just for that reason. Oh, no, I was talking about um, Le'Veon Bell. Of course I was talking about Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yes, um, I'm going to run with Christian McCaffrey in week one. It's kind of risky, honestly, not knowing how the offense will be with Bridgewater. Um, but I think that he's still safe to hit that three times value, honestly. Yeah, and I, I think I, I don't mind McCaffrey this week, and I think he will come just right around 30 total points, which is three times value. But I, I just don't see any likelihood that he's going to surpass that, at least not in a new offense. Uh, so the guy that I'm paying up for is, is in that same game is Josh Jacobs. Now, Carolina, they allowed. 30 running back scores last year. The next worst team, Jacksonville, they allowed 20. Carolina allowed 100% more running back scores than the next worst team. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a shootout of a game, though. And I don't believe that Jacobs is going to get out the out of the gates as quickly in the passing game as many think and as much as Gruden has hinted to. And I think that's going to have a lot of Jacobs owners like squeamish after week one. Um, but we'll see. I don't think he's a bad play. I just don't think he has the upside. Um, and I don't love a lot of the other top tier running backs to hit that 30 point plateau. So I figured that's why I'm going to run with a running back that gives me a running back and at least three quarters of a wide receiver. Well, I think we might actually match on our stay away. Oh, there's no doubt we're going to match on this. I'm going to stay away from Elvin Kamara versus Tampa Bay. Oh, no. See, I, you took, I, I didn't stay away from Kamara. Nope. I, I didn't do that because I, the, the whole holdout thing, all that stuff, I just didn't think that it was right to stay away from him at this point. But go ahead. Well, I don't even care about the holdout part of it. I'm, I'm taking the fact that he's coming off of a, a major injury, and as of yesterday, he's still dealing with back pain. He was getting shots last night yeah. for pain. And again, I, this is we're recording on Tuesday. 
So when you hear this, it might not be last night, but that's not what I want to hear about my number one running back, particularly in a situation where there's an adequate backup to that team that could play significant snaps if he's not fully ready to play. Yeah. So, and the injury, of course, was part of what played it into it for me also. But because of that is why I figured he was safe to this, not have to say him. The guy I really thought that you would stay away from, I thought it would be a stay away stack, honestly, is Kenyon Drake. As much as I want to stay away from Kyler, I don't want any part of I love Drake this year, but not week one. I don't want to see him get baptism under fire against San Francisco in San Francisco. And Drake has actually been injured too, been walking around with that walking boot at camp. So yep. I can totally get behind that play or not play. Exactly. Okay, so who do you got for a value play? Well, I mentioned him earlier. I think the guy that could be uh, a sneaky value play this week is Chris Thompson versus Indianapolis. Uh, Jacksonville will undoubtedly be playing from behind probably all year. Uh, Fournette's gone. Armstead's going to miss this game. Divina Zigbo is just a funny name. Uh, (laughs) He was elite at stopping the run last year, but they allowed the most receptions to opposing running backs in the entire league and the fifth most receiving yards to the position. So, I mean, even if Robinson or Ozigbo gets the early down carries, it's going to be Thompson catching the ball out of the backfield once the team is behind, which should be within the first five minutes. So, yeah, we match there. No question. That's ex- I just didn't want to interrupt you. We do match at Chris Thompson. Um, <laughs> okay. And I didn't know that you would necessarily go there, but I thought I think he's a great, a great value play this week. Um, at wide receiver, I actually had a hard time picking a, a wide receiver I wanted to pay up for because there are quite a few I liked, actually. Um, so you know what? I had somebody crossed him out and said, ah, screw it. I'm going to go with Michael Thomas. Why not? He's at home. He's in the dome. I consider Drew. Went another direction. At least I get a piece of that passing game. Well, I will be the first one to say that I'm going to do a lot of stacking of Breeze and Thomas this week on DFS. But I actually decided to pay to play for someone just a little bit lower on the on the price range. And that was Devontae Adams at Minnesota. Yeah. Look in the Wikipedia on the website for the Minnesota Vikings. It says Devontae Adams is listed as Minnesota Vikings' father. <laughs> he scored and or topped 100 yards against the Vikings in each of their last six meetings. Uh, Minnesota lost its top three cornerbacks from last year. Uh, yes, they added uh, first-round talent at uh, cornerback. They did sign a couple free agents. But you lost your top three cornerbacks. How are you going to stop Devontae Adams? Yeah, I thought you were going to say that he was listed as part owner or something like that. Um, he very well might be. I, I'm sure maybe he sold shares to all the uh, other Packer owners too. And honestly, for $1,700 less, he, he's a great play. I considered him. I also considered Julio. Um, I even considered Chris Godwin. But at the end of the day, I decided to go with Mr. Thomas. Um, as far as a stay away, I'm making it a triple stack. I'm going to stay away from DeAndre Hopkins. I was curious as to how he would be integrated into the offense as is. I'm sorry. If I'm staying away from Kyler and I'm staying away from Drake, and it's all because I don't like them facing San Francisco in San Francisco, I'm not taking a risk with Hopkins this week. I think that's a safe thing to do. Uh, I mean, if I, if I was going to start someone in that passing offense, it'd be Hopkins. But, again, I don't like the price tag there for him. No, not a, I don't either. So who are you staying away from? Let's stay away from Ellen Robinson at Detroit. Now, you might think since Detroit lost Darius Slay that uh, that would actually help Aaron, uh, Ellen Robinson. But they brought in Desmond Trufant to replace him. And 
at worst, that's a lateral move. You know, Lions upgraded their safety position this offseason as well. And you know what? Allen Robinson has a, a certain uh, issue lingering over him, and that's the buffoon Mitch Trubisky throwing him the ball. So with that said, a um, couple things. One, Allen Robinson was one of my absolute favorite wide receiver targets all summer long um, because I knew I could target him in round three, four and get him. I think he's highly underappreciated. I think he's easily a top seven or better, seven or eight or better wide receiver this year in fantasy. And if you go back and do some, some history and do some research, you'll see that Trubisky, as much of an anchor as he is, has actually done well the three times or so that he's played um, in Detroit or against Detroit, I should say. So maybe all is not lost with Mr. Robinson this week, but I completely get it. Um, and I do think that some people would think they lost Slay and it's just a better matchup because of that without looking a little deeper. Again, if, I, if I'm starting a Chicago receiver this week, it's probably going to be Anthony Miller for a lot cheaper. Yep, there you go. So speaking of cheaper, who's going to be your value play? I had it narrowed down to two guys. Well, I also had it narrowed down to two guys, and they both play for the same team. Now, mine don't. Mine play for two different teams, so that might mean that we match, though, because I can only think of one other team that would have two to consider, possibly. Well, so last year in week one, this receiver blew up for eight catches, 154 yards, and two touchdowns against his 2020 week one opponent, the Washington football team. That player... Deshaun Jackson. In that game, Jackson had Elshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, all those guys to compete with for looks. This year, his wingmen are Greg Ward and Greg Ward. Well, Zach Ertz. Oh, and something called Greg Ward. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> the Eagles wide receiver situation is just absolutely baffling. That is... Yes, it is. I'm just curious. Who was the other guy that you were considering? Greg Ward. Oh, okay. I got <laughs> you. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just, it's, hey, it's preseason still for us. So the guy that I had it narrowed down to, two of them I said, right? One is a rookie. Um, ah, and it's, yes. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be the play, but I gave serious consideration to Brian Edwards for the Raiders. Um, I like that. But I wound up deciding to go with my value play stack. And Enkeel Harry, along with Cam Newton, is my play. Interesting. Um, they're in New England. No Muhammad Sanu. I just, reports have been glowing about Harry coming out of camp and stuff like that. And, and what Newton seems to have going right now, I think if there's a, re a week to strike with that, this is the week. I think that's a good point to make, is that this would be the week to play him if you're going to do it. Yes. So we're tied 2-2. I need one in the tight end range to put me over the top and hit the over. I don't know if we're going to match on any of these tight ends. I have to agree <laughs> with you. Tight end was tough. Tight end was so, tough. At pay-to-play... I seriously considered George Kittle, despite the fact that Arizona improved their linebacker safety situation in the draft this year. I still decided that that was too obvious of a play. Yeah. And if nothing else, George Kittle is going to be over chalked. 
Yes. Now, I'm not saying I won't have shares of George Kittle, but when you want to differentiate from the chalk with not playing George Kittle, I'm going to play Mark Andrews versus Cleveland. Andrews posted 10 catches for 133 yards and three touchdowns against Cleveland last season, despite splitting targets with Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle. Well, Boyle is still there, but he's a little dinged up, and Hurst is now, of course, in Atlanta, so... Uh, Andrew's numbers will only go up this week. So I, too, gave consideration to George Kittle and then wound up crossing him out for the same exact reasons that you said. Um, I did look at Mark Andrews, and I think Andrews is in line for a very strong week. But for some reason, I really think that we're going to see Hollywood Brown own that game this week. Um, I wanted to say I looked at Darren Waller for a brief second, but I really don't know how they're going to, like, are they really going to lean on rugs and and – and Edwards this week, and that's going to you know steer away from Waller somewhat. I don't know. So I want something that's a sure thing. So I decided to go with the Philadelphia Eagles number one wide receiver. I mean, I'm sorry, tight end Zach Ertz. Yeah, I, I seriously considered Ertz too. From that's that same reason. The only reason I'm not doing Ertz is because I already decided that I was going to use one of the cheap receivers yep. as my wide receiver three. Uh, but if I don't use one of those two guys at wide receiver three, if I go a different route at that spot, I could easily see putting Ertz in there. Or, heck, even Dallas Goddard again if their wide receiver core is as depleted as it looks like it will be. Yeah. So at the stay away, I mean, there are plenty of people that you could say stay away because, I mean, tight end such a crapshoot, right? <coughs> yes. Um Hunter Henry, what's going to happen with Tyrod? Is he going to be? Is he going to live up to expectations? How's Jared Cook going to look? It's a home game, probably solid, but you know, does Emmanuel Sanders really impact him much? We already talked about Andrews and Waller and Kittle and stuff like that. And you know, Gronk came out of retirement, so is he somebody you want to stay away from because you just don't know what to expect, or did he not come out of retirement just to not, you know, be something shiny and actually do something? Everybody loves Gusecki. You know, Hayden Hurst is in a better spot hopefully this year so there's one glaring guy that just jumps out at me that you don't know what to expect to boot he's in a new location i'm steering clear of austin hooper this year or this week you get the over you hit the over austin hooper at baltimore is my stay away there we go tell everybody why (laughs) baltimore was amongst the league leaders in defense against opposing tight ends last year and much like you just said, Austin Hooper steps away from the friendly confines of Atlanta's passing offense and into an offense where David Njoku, who was a pretty talented tight end on his own right, was basically ignored for the last couple of years. Well, Njoku is also still there, as are Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt. You know, that abundance of offense on a team that is not overly offensively talented might eventually help Hooper. But expecting in his first game with a new quarterback and against a really premium defense, eh, it's not a good idea. And on the road. And on the road. And on the road. All right, so we got the, we got the over. Good. Um, I don't think this – I'm about to – I'm going to announce my value play first. I know that we're not going to match, okay? I'm 99.99% sure we're not going to match. But first I will tell you, yes, I considered Tyler Eifert. Yes, I considered Chris Herndon. Um, yes, I considered, what's his name? Dan Arnold, okay? But I didn't go that cheap. 
because this is probably the only time this guy will ever be priced where you can call him a value play. Give me Rob Gronkowski for at least 80 yards and two touchdowns on six catches in week one. Well, I would love to see him do that. Uh, I don't know if he will. (laughs) Uh, For me, I decided to go with someone uh, in that similar price range. Uh, Another guy who I'm never going to really feel confident about starting any other week, but this week he's got pretty much the uh, A1 matchup, and that's Jack Doyle at Jacksonville. Uh, Last year the Jaguars were actually halfway decent against the opposing tight ends. Uh, Unfortunately, they got rid of all their talented players that covered them. So uh, he inherits a quarterback in Phillip Rivers who loves to target his tight end, especially in the red zone, Antonio Gates, anyone. Uh, mainly because, well, Rivers can't throw the ball downfield anymore. So, so I don't dislike that pick, honestly. But you want me to tell you who I really liked it at tight end in Indianapolis that unfortunately it looks like um, I think he might be dealing with a small injury right now that might slow him out the gate. Um, but the guy, what was, what was his name? Oh, my goodness, just left me. The, the former Eagle, former Bear tight end. Um, Oh, Trey Burton. Yeah, he he got put on short-term IR, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Um, He was somebody during the summer that I really liked if you really, really punted and wanted to just, in a deep league, needed somebody to go after. And the reason I like him is I think people forget the Philly connection there with Frank Reich. Um, Yes. And, you know, Jack's a nice player, but Jack's not a special player. Mo Cox is a nice depth player, but he's not a special player. He didn't even really play football in college. Um, so he's a sleeper that I really was hopeful for, but the, the injury thing didn't help. And of course that's what his problem has been lately, right? Staying healthy. So exactly. All right. Well, that will wrap up our very first, um, pay to play, stay away and value play of the year for DFS. Um, as far as I'd like to go back and talk a little bit about drafts and strategy per se, um, with the new, you know, the new normal, which of course is COVID. We've got to worry about stuff. Let me ask you a question. In a normal draft, start one quarterback. How many quarterbacks would you roster in the past? One. Okay. How many roster this year? Uh, Two or three. Exactly. It's exactly what I did. I, I rostered two to three, depending on who it was and what it was, how deep the league was. I may have actually rostered a backup possibly. Um, that's something that people are going to have to look at and contend with. I'm not a big handcuff guy, but if your player is worth, if his, if his role would then produce 80% of what he normally does and he's valuable like that to you, then you need to look at possibly trying to roster that back up so that you cover yourself if something happens. I would actually uh, take the alternate view on that standpoint. The thing to worry about is if you have the handcuff to your player and your player comes down with COVID, there's a pretty good chance that in that running back room or in that wide receiver room, that player may have passed COVID on to your handcuff as well. So this is the year that I was targeting other people's handcuffs. That's not a bad idea. And you know what? I didn't even think of it in those terms. So that's a very good point, Harley. Um, I will say that a couple of backups that I regularly tried to target this summer, um, Tony Pollard was one. Um, which we already know Zeke had it already. Part of the reason is we don't know how it's going to impact him, right? 
We just they yeah. don't. There's not enough to know. Is it going to impact his, you know, his um, stamina and stuff like that? Can he can he handle the same load? And, and the immunity, as we know, doesn't last that long from the looks of it. So he could wind up coming down with it again. Um, also, Alexander Madison, um, even though Alexander Madison says draft Mike Boone, um, Alexander Madison's a guy that I was targeting quite frequently too. I think those two are great examples of guys that, again, if I didn't have Zeke or if I didn't have Delvin, I would have taken early, if for no other reason than because when and or if those guys do go down with injuries, you've got a guy who will step in and, and not just be a replacement level player, but be a actual borderline running back one, definitely running back two level player. Hey, so I got a question for you. Um this Sunday, who should I have as my running back two versus running back three? Um, pay very close attention. Are you ready? Yes. Should my running back two be Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey? <laughs> and the other is going to be my running back three. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, the, 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 I, I've got to say that sounds like uh, – a DFS what dream there, but uh, uh, if you can manage to fit those three guys on your uh, on your DFS salary roster, you're probably starting a bunch of IR guys for the rest of your team. Now, uh, is this some sort of like crazy dynasty league? No, no dynasty. This is an auction league, um, and it's an expert auction league, believe it or not. And the reason that they're my running back two or three is because— I think we need to check the, uh, the status of those experts. Yeah, right. Um, is because CEH is my running back one because I have to start him tomorrow night, or I should say on Thursday night um, when we get to that point. And tomorrow's not even Thursday from when we're recording. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Um, but anyway, if this gets out before Thursday's game, it's because I'm starting him on Thursday. So that technically would push those guys down the running back two and three status. Um, I did not plan to own all three of those running backs. I went in. Well, I, I, I'd love to plan to own all three of those running backs, but it never seems to work out that way. So let me tell you this. The budget was $200. I paid 61 for CMC, 54 for Barkley, and 44 for CEH. And I was technically price enforcing on Barkley and CEH and got stuck with them. And now, here, go ahead. I was going to say, and here's the thing if you price enforce, you have to know that you could get stuck with somebody. So I never price enforce on a guy I don't really want to own. So that's of, a good philosophy to have. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I'm not upset that I have those three people. I just didn't expect to have those three. Um, now you don't want to talk about my wide receivers because I think Jamison Crowder is my wide receiver one. Um, and I'm starting Alan Lazard and Michael Pittman. They're my three wide receivers. I'm starting because of it. So, Hey, I, I like Jamison Crowder a lot, even though he is dinged up right now. He, he was a, a daily fantasy stud for me last year because yeah. he always caught like 10 passes. I absolutely love Crowder this year, too. I think that Darnold's going to take a step forward, um, and Crowder's a huge beneficial um, player in that aspect because of that. So I also targeted CMC in another expert league, the um, Flex Leagues, and wound up netting him for, I don't know, 60, 60, 61, 62 dollars, something like that. And then paired him with CEH, who I think again was around that $44 mark. And my top two wide receivers there were, I believe, Allen Robinson and oh, who else was it? Um 
anyway, both of them between those four guys, and then I wound up price enforcing Zach Ertz and one Zach Ertz sixteen dollars. I wound up like having to fill thirteen, I think, roster spots with one dollar players. That can be a challenge. It can be. It can be. You know what the hardest part of that was? At the end of the draft, when you're the only one left and there's a 30-second clock and you've got to know who you're nominating so that you don't get timed out and lose the guy to yourself. Or you end up with your fourth kicker or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to talk about that for a little bit, mainly just to say when you're in an auction, you can have anybody, but there's consequences depending on which way you go. And if you price enforce, understand that you may be the one that's buying, not just price enforcing. You you might get stuck with the player that you don't want. That's the truth. Or that you do want, and it just might come to you anyways. Exactly. Any um, parting wisdom for the people from a you know draft standpoint or just in-season management standpoint to start the season off? Uh, all I have to say is, let's go Chiefs. Well, they're going to try and repeat, that's for sure. Um, by the way, when you were rattling off all those players on offense in Cleveland, it made me think, should I dare say KC Northeast? Nah, better oh, no. not. Better not. I, I do like the fact that they brought in the uh, quarterback whisperer to be the coach, though. Yeah, we'll see. It, uh, look, if that team does well, it'll, it'll, it'll be well in my house, as you know. Um, my wife has been a baking fiend. It'll be... Um, pretty quickly to go south if she's not happy because her football team is stinking it up again so well I, i've loved living vicariously uh, eating vicariously i should say through your tweets uh, all off season from your wife's cooking so i think i've put on 75 pounds during the um lockdown no I, and that's just in your beard yes i was gonna say and most of that's in my beard i haven't shaved since march so um good thing we're on radio and people can't see it i have shared it i think a couple times on twitter um, I was going to say, I think we're both extras from Clan of the Cave Bear right now. Yeah, I, I think I tweeted out, my wife had no chill one night. She took a picture. She said, here, I want you to try this shirt on. Took a picture of me. Next thing you know, she's tweeting me a side-by-side of me and Teen Wolf. <laughs> so, you know, there's always that. But listen, we're going to wrap up our first week. I'm going to say, Harley, it's good to be back. I appreciate yes. it. Um, make sure you follow Harley on Twitter, at NuclearHarley. You can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. And I'm just going to say this right now. I apologize if you don't hear this before week one, um, but we'll get the kinks worked out at some point. As always, get blitz responsible. Cheers.